Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Part of the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Happy Tuesday. It is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, and streaming live on ESPN+. Plus. Courtney Cronin, Matt Jones sitting in for the guys this Tuesday afternoon. As always, Canty and Carlin is presented by Progressive Insurance. You can tweet to us at my at Courtney R. Cronin is my handle at KY Sports Radio. It's Matthew. You can also hit us up on the CC call-in line, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. SEC Media Days wears on. Nick Saban has spoken. Jimbo Fisher and the beef between him and Saban is apparently over, but Nick Saban had quite a bit to say about the landscape of college football, Matt Jones, and where things are going with the SEC and the Big Ten becoming super conferences. Here's how Nick Saban believes the mega conference system in college football will work. Well, I think probably for the haves, which obviously at Alabama we're one of the haves, uh, it's probably a good thing uh, for some of the have-nots. Uh, some of the, you know, sort of, I don't want to know what you would say, second half of each league, you know, maybe it won't work out as well. Uh, maybe there's some system like, you know, the pro soccer league in Europe uh, where you can, you know, play your way into it. I don't know how it all works out. Uh, I know that one thing that we've always tried to do is keep competitive balance in college athletics. Um, and I think this could affect that, you know, significantly for, you know, some people in college football. Competitive balance, promotion, relegation, EPL model. And Nick Saban had it all this morning, Matt Jones, uh, at SEC Media Days. And he clearly looks at realignment as something that's being driven by money and might not be in the best interest of college football as a whole. Can I just tell you that that was 40 – eight seconds of the biggest bunch of nonsense I've ever heard a coach say. Like, that was just one ridiculous lie after another from Nick Saban. I like Nick Saban. I'm not a Nick Saban hater. But let me just go quickly through all of them. Number one, it may lead to a cast system. That's what it already is. Alabama is in the playoff every single year. It's Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, Georgia, and then they'll let somebody else in and they'll be the four. It's ridiculous for him to act like there's parity now. There hasn't been parity in 15 years. Second, they will never ever, ever, ever do a promotion or relegation system because that would require some of the schools to voluntarily give up the money that they're getting every year. Do you think Mississippi State and Vanderbilt are going to vote for a system where they could get taken out of the SEC? Of course they're not going to do that. And third, he says we've always looked for parity and competition in college sports. No, you haven't. There's never been a moment that they've looked for parity or, or competition, especially in football, which has the least parity of any sport in the United States, college football. So Nick Saban is a great coach, maybe the greatest to ever do it, but that was the biggest bunch of lies I've heard a coach say in 45 seconds in a long time. (laughs) Well, there's certainly a lot to unpack there. And what you had mentioned, like I like the idea, the idea that is, of promotion and relegation in college sports. Will it happen? Probably not, because you'd have to have teams like, you know, the have-nots in the SEC, the Mississippi States, the Vanderbilts, the Missouri, 
countries. All of those programs would have to vote on that, and they certainly wouldn't want to be in a situation where if they have a 5-7 and seven season where they would get essentially voted out. So halves... The Alabama Alabama has always been a have in college football. They've been at the top of their conference ever since Saban got there, and they will continue to be for as long as they have this sort of hold on the SEC. But what the point that you were getting at earlier about what Nick Saban said on Get Up, uh, mega conferences creating sort of a cast system. Here's how Nick Saban views what a mega conference would do to college football. I think that, you know, mega conferences may be something that, you know, we all have to deal with in the future. Uh, I think, you know, probably, you know, money probably drives a lot of this. I uh, can't blame people for that. Uh, it's sort of above my pay grade, though, to know, you know, what we should do as a league in the SEC or what any other league should do. But uh, I think as we progress forward, the uh, the mega conference, you know, will create, you know, a little more of a cast system maybe in college football. And uh, I think everybody's got to decide if that's the direction we really want to go or not. Come on, Courtney. It's such nonsense. I mean, it's nonsense. But, like, correct me if I'm wrong here, Matt. Aren't we already in a cast system in college football? Don't we already have this going on? How does the highest paid coach in college athletics sit there and say, well, I mean, money's driving all this. Well, you make more money than everybody combined. It's above my pay grade. You make more than the SEC commissioner, so don't tell me it's above your pay grade. And you're obviously opining on it, so clearly you have an opinion. It is a cast system. It already is. Courtney, you and I could sit here right now and pick six teams and say with a hundred percent certainty the national champion will be one of these six teams you can't do that in college basketball in women's basketball in baseball you can't do that in any other sport but you've been able to do it in college football for 20 years Saban's full of it, and that's fine. He can be full of it, but it does make me sort of get nauseous when I hear him say these things because he acts like he's for the general public, and he's not. So do we think that he actually supports this idea of a mega conference? Does it benefit Alabama to be in a mega conference like the SEC? Because the way that I've looked at it is that they already have been, and they already have been at the top of that conference for the better part of the last 15 years. Like, Won't this only make them... I guess, push them even further into the anti-parity category. It's better for the University of Alabama to be in a mega conference because you get more money, because you get more esteem, etc. For Nick Saban, the college football coach, I'm not sure it is better because Alabama was already able to get every recruit they wanted, and now they just have more hard games. I mean, the reality is, Courtney, they don't necessarily want Texas, Oklahoma, Clemson in the conference. Yeah, because that makes their job harder. It makes it harder. they're They're competing against those schools for recruits and then they're exactly. going to have to play them every year and those happen to be maybe not like the top of tier teams right now especially Texas but they will be when you take yes. a look at what their well, recruiting got classes Manning. pan out to be of course you see it so what he wanted was what he had the SEC was the best conference and they were the best team in the conference but they got to play Mississippi State and Ole Miss and Arkansas every year and, and Tennessee and get wins now those games will include a Texas and Oklahoma maybe in the future a Clemson a Florida state that's so the university of alabama benefits from a mega conference but nick saban trying to win a national championship every year probably doesn't love it 
All right, plenty more to unpack from SEC Media Days, what Nick Saban had to say, how everybody is reacting to NIL, and honestly, the way it's being framed to college coaches and a lot of this in this press conference setting is something I think we need to talk about because it feels like maybe we're not addressing NIL the way that we need to in framing it as a negative thing for coaches to have to deal with instead of a positive thing for players. But we're getting a ton of reaction from what's going down at SEC Media Days and Media Days all across the country here in Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. But coming up next, should Miami be a target of the SEC? Are they the next team to potentially be enveloped by what is already a super conference and becoming an even more super conference? We're going to get into that next after I tell you this from Indeed. If you're finding yourself needing to find your next great hire, then you need Indeed. Their hiring solution makes it simple to attract, interview, and hire candidates all in one place. Just sponsor a post and get matched instantly with quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed meet your job description. You can conveniently schedule and conduct virtual video interviews right from the Indeed hiring dashboard. Visit Indeed.com slash credit and earn up to $500 in sponsored job credits when you conduct virtual interviews. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, so Miami is a target of at the SEC. Maybe they're a target of the Big Ten, but it appears that their time in the ACC might not be much longer. This is Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Courtney Cronin, Matt Jones sitting in for the guys. Here's what Paul Feinbaum of the SEC Network had to say on first take about the next team that the SEC should be after. Mad Dog, I'll clean this up, but get a freaking clue. Come on. I mean, what about are you what? talking about? About uh, About everything you just got through saying. And all that stuff you talked about with people going to the games, that that was important in, in yesterday, Mad Dog. We didn't, nobody cares about that today because everything is run by television money in college football. And you can have an empty stadium, but Miami is a brand. Miami, Alabama on a Saturday night. Miami oh, and, 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 and Texas. I mean, you, you're, you're talking 1980. No. 80s here, 1990s, no, man. Wait, 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 welcome, Paul, welcome to the new the century. It's 2022, my friend. Yeah, I, I, you know what? Yeah. And the 1980s is the last time Miami was relevant. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. I agree with Mad Dog for the record. I think Miami is what people Paul's age think matters. When's the last time Miami played a football game that mattered? Well, I think back to like last season – that first game of the year when and it, they lost they got, by a they, thousand, they got crushed. But hey, the lead up to that game, Matt Jones was yeah. Well, was that's because we had to have we had to have something to watch. <laughs> Miami hasn't mattered since Willis McGay he got hurt. That was the last time that it mattered. And and I and they're not they don't matter now. Paul is correct that like who goes to the games doesn't matter. But Miami is a brand only to people forty five and older who remember fondly the U and all mm-hmm. that. Kids don't care about Miami. Miami is irrelevant. To them, if you look at the schools that are out there now, Clemson is much more of a big brand nowadays. So is Notre Dame, even Florida State. Miami is is something for 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 old heads, right? Like that's who cares about Miami. So I don't think if I'm the SEC, 
if I want to expand, and I actually think, Courtney, they may not want to, I don't think Miami is the team. Yeah, that's it's interesting because I do still think of them as a brand because they were such a powerful team in the late 80s and the 90s, um, and that brand carried over. It may not be the same brand, but we're still throwing up the U with our hands. People are still talking about the turnover chain but from a couple of years Indiana ago. But do you think Indiana basketball is a brand? Some people do. Some people still think it is a very strong brand. Uh, in the Midwest, and even though, yes, they haven't been relevant, realistically, they haven't won a national championship since 1987, but that brand still carries strong. If you're comparing those two things, I think it's a good argument, because when was the last time you can truly say that Miami was relevant? Their brand, though, in spite of all the years of not winning, in spite of all the years of losing out in recruiting battles, their brand has still stood but, pretty but strong their for a relatively they... small school, too. Like, let's not forget, this is not like is a, a public school. state institution that's got 50,000 kids at the University of Florida. It's a private school in Coral Gables, and they still are able to draw. Like, I... Draw I, what, I, though? They don't get good recruits. They're not even... I mean, they're in a place that produces more football players than anywhere in the country, and they don't even go to their school anymore. So I don't really know what the... If it's such a great brand, it doesn't draw TV ratings, it doesn't draw viewers, it doesn't draw recruits, and it doesn't win, how's it a good brand? I think that the name recognition and the brand power for what we're going to go off of of what they were, the SEC sees an opportunity here to tap into that and almost like help like lift them back into prominence. Like I couldn't possibly think of a better way for them to do that than by joining the SEC unless you truly think that they would get buried by other schools in, in either in their state with Florida State, also in the ACC, University of Florida in the ACC, uh, or in the SEC. I don't know if there's a way for them to to get better, to get into the other the upper echelon of college football again unless they join a super conference. You can make that argument for Notre Dame. You can make that argument for a ton of other schools. But what Paul Feinbaum was saying there, I agree with that more than what Mad Dog was saying. Like, yes, I know that the Miami of yesteryear, Matt, does not exist anymore. And it hasn't in quite some time, as much as we've tried to make this happen. But – with time and with them being in the SEC, having the, the you know the, the slice of the pie that will be theirs from all the shared revenue and the TV deals, what have you, could that actually help this school well, get back to the national them, prominence? But why would the SEC want it? Okay, so if you're the SEC. Because when they are a strong brand, yeah, that can only SEC, benefit your conference. The SEC doesn't need them. The SEC, here's Not the right now. Here's Not the right now. Nick Saban's still coaching at Alabama, but let's matter. think like got, five years down the line. You got Texas, you got Texas A&M, you got Florida, you got LSU, you got Georgia. You don't need them. Here's the thing. What the SEC wants is they want money. So the only schools that are worth taking are schools that will make your amount of dollars per school rise. The state of Florida, they are already in every home because of Florida. They don't need Miami. What they want is you want to be in a new state or a program that gives you something. I think Notre Dame is obviously the top dog. I think if they join a conference, it'll be the Big Ten. The next big one to me in the SEC is North Carolina. Because, An ACC school. Yes. North okay. Carolina is a southern state that the SEC is not in. And I think this is very important. There are no states in the country where college athletics matter than the South, more than the South. Okay. In the Midwest, it's big, but you all have pro teams. In the South, we don't have pro teams. So North Carolina is the biggest state in the country that loves college athletics. I know they have the Panthers and all that, but nobody cares. They care about college sports and 
we don't have an SEC school there. That's what the SEC is thinking. So I think they want North Carolina. Then, this is the other thing. The SEC prides itself in, we are the best in every sport. They're the best in football. They're the best in women's basketball. They're the best in baseball. They aren't the best in college basketball. But if you take North Carolina and Duke, now you are. And so now you can say you are the best in every sport. That's why I think you will see when they do add programs, Clemson, Florida State, North Carolina, Duke. That's who they will try to add whenever that happens. Okay, so that may, you bring up a good point there. Uh, Kane and Carl on ESPN Radio, uh, ESPN app, Courtney Carn and Matt Jones. Uh, because my, my initial thought, and correct me if I'm wrong here, when I'm thinking – What's the next team from the ACC that makes the most sense from a regional perspective and from the rivalry perspective, the stuff that's already like built in naturally? Mm-hmm. Why isn't it Clemson? Yeah. Why, I think why it not? is Clemson. I mean, Clemson is big, but, but they're already in South Carolina. So you got to think about what these states are like. In the state of South Carolina, there are more South Carolina fans than there are Clemson fans. So you're already there. Now, Clemson is a great brand, and I think eventually they'll add Clemson if they need to. But in North Carolina, you have no presence. Think about Virginia. You don't think of Virginia as a big program, but Virginia is kind of a southern state, and the SEC isn't there. You get Virginia, now you're on in D.C., right? Now you're on in Richmond. Now you're in a new state. I think that Virginia is actually more attractive to the SEC than Miami is, as crazy as that sounds. If it were about if these programs were good, Courtney, the Big Ten wouldn't have taken Rutgers. Who cares about Rutgers? But they wanted to get in New York City. Same thing here. Charlotte, Richmond, D.C., that is the big deal to the SEC, much more so than Miami, where they already are because of the University of Florida. Well, it's interesting, too, because they already are in Charlotte with the SEC network. And I know that but we have not, no school there. We have crazy. no school there. Yeah. Um, the North Carolina market is an interesting one. I've always wondered why they couldn't get their footprint in that state itself, like anywhere. And you know that, I mean, that's a basketball state that's driven by Duke. It's driven by North Carolina and C State when they're good, even Wake Forest to a degree. But from a football perspective, do you feel like they can capitalize on that? Is that why they haven't gone after them in the past? Well, they haven't gone after them in the past because they were better targets that, that, that cared. But I think North Carolina, when this is all said and done, I'm not sure the SEC wants to expand anymore. But if the Big Ten takes Notre Dame, they'll have to. And if they do, North Carolina, people talk, I mean, no offense to Paul and Russo, but they're talking about Miami and Florida State. The school is North Carolina and maybe Duke to tag along. But really, it's North Carolina because it is a great, a huge program, good academically, get you in a new state, basketball tradition, and good, you know this, Courtney, good at every other sport, like mm-hmm. all the secondary sports. North Carolina's good at all of them. I think they are the big target outside of Notre Dame. Greg Sankey, the commissioner of the SEC, was touting conference realignment yesterday, but also saying that the SEC is not in any sort of rush to add other teams. He said that they already are a Super League. Like, they are a Super League. They knew it before Texas and Oklahoma had joined, and then when those two programs get to the SEC in 2020, unless it somehow is sooner, there'll be an even super, super conference. So you have to look at this wondering, okay, they may be okay playing the waiting game for now, but how much longer until teams like Miami, teams like Notre Dame potentially wind up in the SEC? And that's what we want to ask you. We were talking about Miami earlier. That was the conversation. Should they join the SEC? Should they not? Should they be a target of the SEC? 
is Miami still a blue blood college football program? Do we view them as that, or are we just stuck in the yesteryear of the 1980s with the U um, and all of the great memories that we have from those teams that are many moons ago? Triple eight, say ESPN eight 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 seven two nine three seven seven six. We'll take your calls here on Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. But coming up next. He's the talk of Major League Baseball, and he's only 23 years old. So why does his current franchise have to trade him? That's next, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Yesterday's price is not tomorrow's. That's what Juan Soto said after winning the home run derby on Monday night. He became the youngest, second youngest to, player to ever win the derby. 23 years, 266 days old. And oh, by the way, the Washington Nationals might now try to trade him after reportedly offering him a contract worth up to $440 million over 15 years. That Juan Soto turned down. This is Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Courtney Cronin, Matt Jones sitting in for the guys on this Tuesday afternoon. Canty and Carlin presented by Progressive Insurance. So here's what Juan Soto had to say after he won the home run derby, just absolutely obliterating everybody else in the field last night about his future and being the talk of baseball right now. So everyone, everyone in baseball is talking about your future, the next few weeks. What do you want to have happen? Right now, I don't even think about it. I think I'm, I'm a champion, and I will be a champion for the Nationals. So Juan Soto, he's relishing in the fact that he just won the home run derby. There's also a really interesting story out there, Matt, that apparently – the Nationals wouldn't charter a plane to send him to Los Angeles, so he took commercial. Like, nice. Arrived 24 hours, bef- less than 24 hours before the home run derby. His agent, Scott Boris, uh, told Sports Illustrated about this and you know was not exactly thrilled with the organization. Maybe they did it in retaliation to him turning down the contract offer. Who knows? But it's very clear that this is going to be the biggest story ahead of the August 2nd trade deadline. Yeah, I mean, look, he is a great player. The Home Run Derby is the one event in sports that I feel like should be awesome that I never find awesome as we watch it. It, it, I don't know why that is, but it's just the case. But congrats to him. $440 million, a lot of money. And so you go, well, why would you do, why would you turn it down? But, you know, chances are by the end of that contract, guys will be making a lot more money than what his per year deal would be. So I understand it. The Nationals stink. They're going to stink in the near future. They're, I, I guess, you know, I, I was fascinated. Buster Olney was on Greeny, and I and he said why an answer I question I had, which is why do the Nationals feel like they have to do this? Because it doesn't really make sense, Courtney. I know you said something, Buster. Is going to get traded? That the Nationals are incentivized, incentive uh, have incentive at this point to move him, in part because of their ownership transfer. Uh, the the team has been up for sale. And uh, one source told me that the incoming owners 
have made it clear they want this situation resolved one way or the other. Either they want him signed, and as you mentioned, they offered him the $440 million. It would be a record-setting deal over 15 years, or they want him uh, traded. Because if you're an incoming owner, you don't want that to be the first move on your uh, time running the team, trading a superstar player at age 23, his generation's Ted Williams. Kenny and Carlin, ESPN Radio, ESPN Plus. Yeah, that's it's the hard thing to know what this new ownership group's going to do, what their intentions are. So the question of why they have to trade Juan Soto and why they have to do it now when he's not even eligible, Matt, for free agency until after the 2024 season is kind of crazy to think about. No other sport you're talking about the same way that contracts are structured and the amount of money that's being offered over an insane amount of years, 15 years contract that's wild but it's baseball and this is what happens in baseball teams that want to spend will and teams that don't don't and yes this team is not far off from winning a world series but with the future ownership group coming in like even his agent scott boris doesn't know which direction this team's going to go in. Are they going to rebuild for five years? Are they immediately going to try to win? So if you have no way of knowing that, if your client has no way of knowing that, and also if you're arguing about this on an average annual you know, salary and taking a look at what he would be making, because what the Nationals were apparently offering him has that average annual salary of less than $30 million, which is less than what Nolan Ariando, Francisco Lindor, Corey Seager, all what they signed for when they were older and not as productive as Juan Soto is right now at 23 years old. But it's crazy when you think about a team that is as bad as the Nationals right now. They're 31 and 63. That's a very bad baseball team, a team that's not going to be in contention now, next year, maybe even the year after that. But they are so eager to commit $440 million. It's a record-setting contract. Um and I don't think it's because they want to necessarily try to like go run it back, or at least you know, clearly, I mean, they'd be running it back in a different direction because this team's not good and they'd have to put different pieces in to make a championship run. I think they're trying to take themselves out of having a bidding war for, for Juan Soto in a couple of years when he is more productive than he is now at 23 years old. Well, they're doing what a lot of franchises like them do, which is have the one person that's the cornerstone of the franchise that doesn't make you look like a cheapskate forever. The Reds did it with Joey Votto, right? So years ago, they signed Joey Votto to like a 12-year deal so that forever they can go, yeah, we spend. Look what we're paying for Joey Votto, right? Even though he now isn't as productive as he was. I will say this. If I was a Nationals fan and I'm hearing what Buster Olney's saying about the ownership group, I'd start to be worried about the new ownership group because if I was buying a team Courtney and I had the best player maybe the best young player in baseball I'd want to make the decision about his future right like I'd want to be the one to decide them going hey you all decide so we don't look like the bad guys Courtney that makes me look like think they're scared before they've even taken the job if you are literally worried about making the decision about the most important piece of this franchise you just bought and you want it to be made for you I don't know that I think you're the kind of ownership group that is going to take any chances in the world and you're already sort of CYA before you even take over yeah it doesn't feel like the right move to 
already have this thing in place before you take over. Like if you're an ownership group and you want to come in and establish the direction that the team's going, wouldn't it be to retain your star young player and try to keep him for as long as possible? And, you know, another reason I feel like with that bidding war, I mean, he could be worth $500 million in two years, which is the absolute crazy thing when you think about what the bubble is in, in Major League Baseball for these sorts of contracts, when it could potentially pop. It doesn't feel like we're anywhere close to figuring that part out. But maybe they're trying to, I guess, avoid having to pay, like go all in for one asset to retain him within the fold. It feels kind of short-sighted when you are buying a franchise. It's like, well, we're, we're spending all this money to buy the team. We can't actually afford to like keep the players and buy them, you know, buy what their contracts are going to be too. So we're okay with this. I can't even imagine what a trade would command for Juan Soto at 23 years old, having just won the home run derby last night and knowing all that he brings to this team. But I can assure you that if it, if they're willing to pay him $440 million, there is another team out there in Major League Baseball oh, they will, that's yeah. willing to pay 441 if not more. No, there are two players out there that if your team were to go and get them at this trade deadline, you now – get a lot better. One is Louis Castillo, the pitcher who I think has a chance to change everything if the Reds trade him to one of the contenders, and then Juan Soto's the other. And so you have a chance to get a massive haul, and with Castillo, you get one more year, but with Soto, you get two more years. That's what's amazing about this. It is so rare to see a player this good with this much time left. You're not just renting him for half a year. You're getting him for a half a year and two more years. I think the Nationals, now that he didn't sign it, they should trade him. And when they do, Courtney, I think you'll get a record haul. I thought Castillo might get a record haul. Well, that record won't last very long because I think Juan Soto will get an even greater haul whenever they find out who it is that's going to take him. Plenty of teams you'd like to think would be in the mix there. We'll talk about that with an expert later on here on Canty and Carlin. I'm watching that video of him with the legendary bat flip after he realized that he won the home run derby after falling to Pete Alonso last year in the semifinals. Juan Soto is a champion, 2022 home run derby champ, hit 19 home runs that final round to beat the Mariners rookie Julio Rodriguez's 18. Plenty more on this coming up in the show, but coming up next, Warriors ownership thinks Stephen Curry has a lot of years left. So what is the best path forward for another title to be brought to the Bay? That's next. ESPN Radio, ESPN app. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Cronin and Matt Jones sitting in for Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. So I'm a multitasker. I can text and talk at the same time. I can eat and watch TV and be able to retain what I'm watching. And I can also host a radio show while I am effectively moving. Um, except today, Matt Jones got a sneak peek into what my chaotic condo looks like. I just moved in a little over a month ago and had to have... The, the L part of my sectional couch replaced. So, of course, Matt, the delivery company tells me 12.15 to 2.15 Central Time is the window. 
What time do these people show up? Right as you and I are going on air. And uh, thankfully, I have a friend that lives nearby. Shout out to my friend Lucy for coming by to facilitate this move because it would have been next to impossible. I would have done it, but the only thing is that my Comrex has to be plugged in. I don't have one of the ones that just run on, like, remote power, and I have to be hooked up to my Internet. Because can you imagine me walking around hosting a radio show while I'm trying to, like, tell these people, yeah, put it over here. Oh, you can take this one. Like, take the trash, too. Like, all that. Can I – now, you know I love you, Courtney. But can we classify that under white people problems? Oh, like 100%. The, 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 the it's a first row problem. Oh, no. My sectional L couch <laughs> is getting delivered to my new condo, and my ESPN radio show might get a little bit delayed. Hell no. I, let me tell you. I mean, I know that's the equivalent to working in a salt mine, but it's not exactly. I think it's going to be hard for a lot of people to have a great deal of sympathy. But I'm glad I, you I, got your L couch. I got my You'll L couch. You'll be able to watch the West Wing tonight and, and succession and like you I, I, I would not want your streaming to it all be uh disapp- i don't know what you're talking about i'm watching the all-star game tonight i'm looking okay, forward well, to that you um, can be the one be the one person uh, i guess i mean you're not watching it i take it oh, no. i think this I is a bigger topic of conversation why are you not watching the all-star game because it's the baseball all-star game there's nothing I mean, else on this week what else are you watching well i'm gonna catch up there's a new co- show called the bear on hulu that is really okay. really good about this uh about this chef and I've started watching Peaky Blinders, uh, which I'm also a fan of on Netflix. I think the baseball all-star game is – it's not the most boring all-star game. That's the Pro Bowl, but it's in the conversation. You know, once – it's sweet, I guess, but by the fourth inning, I don't know any of the people playing anymore, so it's really not not for me. But I hope you enjoy it, and I hope all of you will listen here on ESPN Radio, where I certainly will tune in while I'm watching streaming. <laughs> that's fair. Nice save. Um <laughs> I'll watch it from my from my couch that uh, I'm looking at right now. I've got a small little place here, but I can at least see it. I think I think I should test the uh, the the limits of my bandwidth next time and really try to like actually move while I'm doing a radio show. I think that I would be quite impressive. That is not a feat I have achieved just yet. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Kenny and Carlin is presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save over $700 on average. Courtney Cronin, Matt Jones. What is this song the that they just started it's playing? It's Uchi Wally Wally. Have you never heard this Uchi- before? Oh, I'm sorry. I, I only have the old Uchi Wally Wally album. <laughs> I don't have the new one. His new stuff hasn't quite gotten to Kentucky. Salute, okay. though, to Mr. Wally Wally. He's doing good. I don't think that's his name, but we can go with that. Um, yeah, you were waiting for the beat to drop there. No, You're was. like, is she going to go? Is Let's she going to start Uchi. talking? Wale, wale. Okay, so Joe Lacob was on the Point Forward podcast, which is hosted by Andre Iguodala, current Golden State Warrior, and had this to say about Stephen Curry. Quote, I think he's got a number of years to go. So Joe Lacob putting that out there that he believes they can continue to win championships with Stephen Curry, that Stephen Curry at 34 is not slowing down. And he said he thinks that the team's going to be better 
next year. Better than the team that just won the NBA championship in the finals, six games against the Boston Celtics. Quote, these young guys will be better. Steph still got it. I don't see him going off a cliff. Sorry to the rest of the league. I don't see him getting any worse. This guy's so well-conditioned. It's unbelievable. So when you hear comments like this, and we know that Kevin Durant, I believe that we are on day 20 of this thing going on where he's requested a trade from Brooklyn and has not been moved. Do those comments lead you to, to believe that the Warriors would be interested in Kevin Durant? No, and I don't think they need to. I agree with him. I think they can be better. Now, I think the league's going to be better. I think the other teams in the West are going to be better. Your Phoenix will be better. Uh, Memphis will be healthy. You get the Clippers will be better. So they'll be better. But I think the Warriors will too. Draymond will get a little worse. I think there's a decent chance you get a better clay next year than you did this year. And if Kaminga or Wiseman becomes something that can help them, which it really hasn't been yet, then I don't see any reason they can't be better. Jordan Poole and Wiggins both got huge playoff run. I think they're a lot more confident now. I think that team, I don't expect Steph to get worse. So if I think every single person on the team has a chance to be as good or better, I think Draymond is the only one that might slip. Yeah, why can't they be better? Plus, they just want a title. So if you just want a title and you think you can be better, why do you need Kevin Durant, who brings with it a whole other thing? And most importantly to me, you will have to mortgage your future for mm-hmm. it because you will have to trade all those young guys who actually give you a positive future. You're going to have to get rid of him to get Durant. See, I'm with you on this. And I've said this the last couple of weeks on radio, on TV, that 29 teams that are not named the Brooklyn Nets should at least call about Kevin Durant, including the Golden State Warriors. But the Warriors know what it would take to get Durant, and they already have something really good in the mix where you've got Stephen Curry playing at the level he has he's at right now at 34 years old. If he can play this way till he's 40, this team is going to have a window to contend. I'm not saying that's a window to win a championship three of the next four years, like Draymond Green said, but a window to contend in the West. You give Klay Thompson a full offseason this year, and you get the Klay Thompson of old back you will be in a very good spot. And let's not forget, like I know defensively, like he actually had a very good finals, more than I expected from Clay. I'm not worried about that version. I'm worried about the shooting version of Clay and what we can get back from him looking back like Clay Thompson of 2016. And then on top of that, the young core, we don't even know what James Wiseman is going to look like because he hasn't played yet. The Warriors are the one team that hate, it's weird saying this. It's almost like they don't need Kevin. Durant. No, they don't need him. By and, the way, they why? don't need to blow up. They don't need to blow up what their future is going to be for the short short term game, which very well may lead you to a championship. But you already won that too with Kevin Durant. I don't know if they necessarily need to go backwards and bring him back into the fold. Not that it ha- not that it has anything to do with his legacy, but it's more about what they have going on right now and not interrupting that process. I totally agree. I though have a much more important question than that, which is. You know, when I, my mother is the only person in the world that calls me Matthew, like everybody else calls me Matt and she calls me Matthew. And I know when she says it, like it's either my mom or I'm in trouble. You call him Stefan, like almost like his, 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 his mother, everybody else seems to call him call Steph. 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 So like, Steph what is it about you that makes you call him Stefan? I think I was just reading the quote. It's like you are you're like almost like the like sort of treating Steph Curry as an official. He is Stephon Curry, like (laughs) Urkel for you on Family Matters. He's kind of like that for you with Steph Curry. I never thought of it that way. I have called him Steph Curry before. 
I've also called him Stefan. I think that Joe Lacob called him Stefan there. I think I was just reading yeah. verbatim what Joe Lacob Stephon was saying. Stefan Urkel um, in the famous uh, in, in in the Family Matters. Well, I think I'm going to start calling him that from now on because it will you never should. get out of my head. So, Stephen Curry. Not Steph Curry here on Canty and Carlin. Coming up next, is Miami still a blue blood? And one of college football's biggest programs is back in the national championship mix.